Lights, camera, action. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Hey, guys. It is officially season two. We need like the, the little air horn. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> it's season two, baby. And we are kicking it off with Ford versus Ferrari. And I am so stoked. I, I love racing. I love the history. There's very, very rich history here. Um, but I'm super excited. I can't believe that it, we're already on season two. Feels like we just started. But I'm so stoked. Yeah, me too. It's hard to believe. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, if you're new to our channel, if you're on YouTube, go ahead and hit that like button. It helps us out quite a bit. And if you're listening on Spotify, we'd ask you to consider leaving us a review, hopefully five stars. You know, we're open to criticism, but uh, giving us a, a rating on Spotify also goes a really long way. So we would appreciate it. And with that, I say let's just jump right into it. All right. Well, like John said, we are discussing Ford versus Ferrari. It was actually released pretty recently. It was August 30th of 2019. Well, I guess that's not really recent anymore. It feels like it was just yesterday, but um, it was directed by James Mangold. It's starring Christian Bale, Matt Damon. I'm probably going to butcher this name. Katriana. I Balfi. No idea. Balf. Josh Lucas, Noah Jupe, John Bernthal, Tracy Letts, and Ray McKinnon. Again, I don't know. Yeah, That's the correct I, pronunciation. There was a lot of actors in here that I like I not necessarily unfamiliar with them, but as far as like uh I like I couldn't tell you their name. Yeah. There were a lot of and they were phenomenal actors, but there were a lot like that. So yeah. your guess is as good as mine. Yes. And also, I am i probably should have said this earlier, but I'm going to apologize in advance. I have a cold, so if I sound congested, that's why. <laughs> it's all right. No worries. Um, okay. So it the movie was distributed by 20th Century Fox. Its runtime is two hours and 32 minutes. It's rated PG-13. Its budget was $97.6 million and box office total was $225.5 million. Really? Really. I mean, that's a really low budget for making it, mm-hmm. but also I'm kind of surprised that it wasn't a bigger return. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know racing, especially in America, it, not nearly as big as it is in Europe, but um, I don't know. I guess I just would have expected it to be bigger. Yeah, I don't know. Still a great movie. Phenomenal movie. James mm-hmm. Mangold is a great director. Love his work. And... uh is you know Christian Bale, Matt Damon. I love John Bernthal too. They're all mm-hmm. it was really solid all the way around. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, I'm gonna jump into some fun facts. I'm sure most everyone is familiar with Christian Bale being notorious for, you know, like really like losing a lot of weight or gaining a lot of weight for different movie roles. Yeah, he's a method actor. Yes. He really puts his body into his role Mm -hmm. i would say and there's actually some awesome pictures online that you can look up of uh like movies that he's done and they're actually relatively close time-wise but um where he went from being i think 90 pounds all the way to 220 when he Mm -hmm. did the batman or not the batman batman begins Mm -hmm. um and he was i forget the name of the movie 
Um, it was like La Machinist, I think, or, or something like that. The one where he had to lose a ton of weight? Where he was like 90 pounds. Yeah. The pictures are scary looking. Uh, really scary looking. And um, when he did the movie Vice, where he played Dick Cheney, he also put on a, a bunch of weight. Mm-hmm. But anyways, dedicated actor. Yeah. So I'm I'm glad you said that, actually, because I was going to say, so just before Ford versus Ferrari, he had gained a bunch of weight for the movie Vice. Um, so he had to lose 70 pounds to play Ken Miles because he had just gained weight for a different movie. Yeah. Um, so, but this movie, um, he like said for Ford versus Ferrari, he was like, this is the last time I'm undergoing that much of a weight difference. Like it's just, it it was becoming like physically tolling, which is understandable. So that was the last time that he like did that much of like a drastic change yeah i remember him saying that because i in reading the headlines and everything and it was a big deal just because he's a he's known for doing that right um so my next one is that ford like the company not the character in the movie or the guy um has tried to actually distance itself from this movie because of the quote-unquote unflattering portrayal of key members of their team so like henry ford the second and leo b I'm pretty sure it's BB. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So they've, they just, um, like didn't want to really associate themselves much with it because of that, because they say that, um, like Leo wasn't like, cause he's portrayed as the villain basically in this movie. And he wasn't as much that way in real life. Um, according to them. I was going to say that's very subjective because I spent a lot of time learning about the real history of all of this. And there's stuff that the movie leaves out, which I'm eager to dig into. But um, Henry Ford II, also referred to as Hank the Deuce, that's his like, that's what everybody called him, Hank hmm. the Deuce, which is very interesting. But um, Hank was an absolute jerk. Like Mm -hmm. he was not a good guy. He did not run the company well. And uh, actually Ford's through line throughout this whole like history, not in the movie. You see it some in the movie, but they were not um, very good in their character Mm -hmm. is what I would say. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, obviously it comes as no surprise hearing that they wanted to distance themselves from it some. but even still, like the the real reality of some of it doesn't even come into the movie. So I would say their response in saying that is probably subjective. Yeah. Um, so my next fact is that Ken Miles, real life son, um, helped Christian Bale prepare for the role. Peter. Um, yes, Peter. Um, so Peter gave Christian like a bunch of like old press clippings and magazines about Ken Miles and showed him personal photos that he had and showed him like audio recordings to help him have a more faithful portrayal of his dad. Um, And also he met with um, the actress that played Molly and gave her a lot of material too to help her in her depiction of his mom. That's cool. Yeah. And then, um, another fact is that Christian Bale improvised the part where, um, like after he had just won a race in the beginning, he improvised the part where he invites Peter into the car for a drive. Yeah. Um, and he just remembered the, 
you know, the I'm H-A-P-P-Y song. Right. He just remembered that from his childhood and he just started singing it. But because Noah is also because that's like an old like English song. Yeah. Noah is also um, from. Yeah. From England. And he just joined in because he knew the song, too. So that was all improvised. Wow. So that's not something that Ken did. It was just something that Christian. Yeah, that's just something Christian did. Oh, that's yeah. actually, that's really cool. Yeah. Um, and then my last fun fact is that Josh Brolin, which for those of you who might not recognize that name, he's very famous in the MCU. Thanos. Um, he actually filmed scenes for the movie, um, but they didn't make the final cut. I'm not sure who he would have played or what scenes he would have been yeah, in. I would be very interested but, to know. Yeah. But it would have been really cool to see him in the movie. Yeah. So he's also a phenomenal actor. Yeah. And that's all my fun facts. Okay, cool. Well, I tried to keep it short because I know John has a lot. Oh, man. I am so stoked to talk about this. <laughs> I, I have spent the last, I don't know, six or seven months just really getting into racing personally myself. We just went and to a race yeah, this weekend. Yeah, literally last weekend we went to uh, Indianapolis Motor Speedway, watched an eight-hour endurance race, and it was awesome. So this, for me, is just very relevant to kind of my life currently. But anywho, um, production details are very minimal. I mean, as you stated, the budget was only $93 million, I think it was. So as far as um, details go, it's pretty slim. $97 million. 97. I was close. <laughs> So, filming began on July 30th, 2018. Um, Shooting locations included California, uh, New Orleans, Louisiana, um, Atlanta, Savannah, and Statesboro, Georgia. Fun fact, Emily and I have been to Savannah, Georgia many times. One of my two brothers lived there. And if you go downtown, there's actually many, many, like, plaques and plates of where uh, movies have been shot there. I guess Savannah, Georgia is very famous for uh, movies. I have to correct you. I've only been to Savannah once in my life. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. I've been multiple times. You've only yeah. been once. So, okay. Thank you. <laughs> um, so Atlanta, Savannah, Statesboro, Georgia, as well as Le Mans, France. So those were shooting locations. Um, filming wrapped on October 5th, 2018. And uh, race scenes that appear in the film um, at Daytona were actually filmed at the Auto Club Speedway in Fontana, California. Um, some other race scenes were filmed at the Honda Test Tract in Mojave Valley, California. The Big Willow Road course at Willow Springs International Raceway in Rosamond, California. And the Porsche Experience in Carson, California. So lots of uh, racetracks out in California. Mm-hmm. Which, interesting fact, uh, the auto industry and racing uh, is real big in California because... Uh, cars getting rusty doesn't happen out there. Oh? Yeah, because of the uh, desert climate and whatnot. Hmm. I so, guess I had never thought of that. Yeah, it's very interesting. I That was new to me. I just assumed that it happened everywhere. Yeah, me too. But I guess like buying cars from California is a big deal because the, there's no rust. Hmm. So, anywho, that's all I have for production details. Um, I have lots and lots of notes on things that I want to touch on and talk about, but um, I think we can just kind of work through those as we get there. So I think to start, why don't we do a, um, our first rating for season two of 
a scale of 1 to 100. And I will go first because we don't have a camera, but Emily's pointing at me. She <laughs> wants me to go first. so I want to hear your rating first because okay. I just, I'm still trying to decide. Okay. So this is a tough one for me. I'm not even going to act like I'm going to try to be impartial because I, I, I love the history of Carol Shelby and Ken Miles. Um, even before I was into racing, I liked learning about them. Carol Shelby is like an American icon. Like the guy is awesome. Um, so anywho, I, I love those two, uh, historical figures. I love racing. Um, I love Christian Bale. I love Matt Damon. So, and, and the movie is done exceptionally well. I mean, it, James Mangold did a phenomenal job directing. The score is good. The cinematography is beautiful. So I'm just going to give this a really strong, probably the strongest, second strongest score I've ever given. Um, I'm going to do a 96 and a half. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, I was thinking in the 90s too. Um, I just hadn't settled on where. Um, yeah. It's so hard because like, it's based off of true life events. So I can't knock it because right. I hate the ending because right. it's right. based like they can't change that, you know? Right. Um, so that's like that guy who was mad at the film producers at the test screening for Apollo 13. Yes. They that's were like, like, oh, it's unrealistic. Hey, buddy, wake up. It this, happened. This is history. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm not going to be like that turd. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Because I know that there, there's nothing that can change what happened and it is heartbreaking. Um, but yeah, all that to say, um, even though there were some really hard parts to watch, like you said, um, it was all done really, really well. The storytelling was great. And um, I felt like there wasn't any part where it was like, why did they include this? You know, because I feel yeah. like that can happen sometimes in documentaries. Um, so I'm going to give it a 93. Oof, that one hurts me a little bit. 94. <laughs> <laughs> That's better. That's better. No. Um, okay, interesting. So why would you rate it a little bit lower? Just because it is a sad ending or? Well, I mean, I don't know. I really don't. I, I feel like I need to put more thought into my rankings because I just don't know. That's okay. I can't give a lot of reasoning other than yeah. yeah, the the ending hurts me bad. Yeah. Um what did I give Interstellar? I feel like I ask this we both, every week. Yeah, you do. Um I need to write this down. We both gave Interstellar a ninety eight. Ninety eight. Okay. Yep. Yeah, I'll go to a ninety four. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, are there any scenes or anything that stuck out to you, parts that you loved or favorite scenes that you want to touch on? Yes. Okay. Um, I, I think like one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie is when, um, Ken and Shelby start fighting in that like yes. little lot, um, in front of Ken's house. Yeah. I think it's hilarious. And, um, I also love when Molly comes out and just like sets up a lawn chair and starts reading yeah. her magazine and just kind of hanging out. Cause like she knows like it's harmless, but also that like, they're just being stupid. Right. Um, yeah. So I love that scene. It makes me laugh every time. Yeah. It's, I, it's hilarious. Um, just in the sense that like, 
just what you said that she's like, okay, you know what, whatever. I'm just going to watch this, let it happen. And then like that she doesn't really comment on it, doesn't make a big deal about it, but offers Ken, hey, can I get anything for you? And he asks for a fizzy pop, which is a, you know, Coke, whatever. And then asks, uh, Carol Shelby, if he wants anything and Ken's like, no, no. <laughs> and he's like, yes. And uh, I don't know. It's just really funny that she doesn't even take the time to care about correcting the behavior and just, you know, they were working out their differences and she knows that they're actually really good friends, that they love each other. So I don't know. It's an interesting dynamic and I love that. Yeah. Um, and then I also love the scene when um, Henry Ford gets in the car with Shelby um, and takes him for a ride. <laughs> yeah. I will say it makes me tear up at the end, like when he starts crying and saying, you know, like how he wishes his dad was alive to feel what he yeah. was feeling and things. But it is pretty funny when he's holding on to the handle and, you know, just or onto the dashboard and just. Yeah. Well, yeah. I remember watching that for the first time. And for those of you who don't know, um, I don't do it anymore, but previously I was in the medical field. And so when all that was happening, I mean, he was going unbelievably fast in that car. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was kind of sprung on him at the moment, uh, on the moment. So he wasn't anticipating it happening, let alone understanding truly how fast of a race car his team built. Mm -hmm. But, um, I think for me, when I first saw it, when he immediately just started like laughing, crying, my first thought was like, you know, he's just, his body can't handle the amount of adrenaline that was just released. Mm -hmm. um, he's in shock, which is very possible that it, that was at least partially some of the reason why that happened. But then I agree. Um, it, it makes me tear up to just the sentiment and thinking like, I, I wish my dad could see this. You know, he would have no idea. Mm -hmm. No idea. Which, by the way, fun fact, um, Hank the Deuce, Henry Ford II, is Henry Ford's grandson, not son. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't remember Henry Ford II's father's name, but he is the grandson of Henry Ford. Hmm. I did not know that. Yeah, and they don't touch on that, and they... uh. I don't know that they intentionally lead you to believe that he's Henry Ford's son, but there were a few moments that I would have just assumed that. Yeah, me too. Anywho. Um, and kind of in the same scene, just a little bit before that, um, I I love when Leo realizes what Shelby is about to do, you know, because right. Shelby's talking in his office with him. Right. And I love that he like, Shelby locks him in yep. and then... Uh, that I don't remember the guy's name that works at the car one place. Of the mechanics, but one yeah. of the mechanics like starts revving the engine of one of the cars. Like so nobody when, can hear. So no one can Leo hear Leo yelling, yelling yeah, and trying yeah, yeah. to get out. And also like that when he does break out, like um, he's trying to get outside, and that same guy is like keeping the door shut and being like, oh, "I don't know what's wrong with it. It just right. won't open." You know? Yeah. Yeah, so, the whole team was behind what Carol yeah. was doing, which is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and then my last one, I don't like this scene. Yeah. But I just want to give props to the actor because it's when Ken is doing one of the test drives and his brakes are shot, you know, and yeah. he gets in an accident. And um, this is the first time, not the not at the end. Yeah. Um, and he, um, his car ends up, you know, 
catching fire. It explodes. Explodes. Yeah. And um, it the camera pans to his son, and you can just like like the actor's name is Noah Jupe. He did an amazing job. Like every time I watch that, I'm just like, wow. Like you can just see the horror yeah. on his face. And just like you can like almost like hear what's running through his mind. Like, yeah, my dad is probably dead, you know, and it's just like it's I just am amazed by the way, like how well he acted that out. So. Yeah, he did a phenomenal job. Um, I felt that for sure. And it's just like I, I feel like I'm somebody who's kind of like um, like I try to empathize with people as much as I can. So like I try to relate to my life. So like when I watch things like that, like I envision, well, what if that was my dad, you mm-hmm. know, and like I'm sure a lot of people do that, too. But that's just like crushing for me. And um, so, you know, it was like like even just thinking about it, like chokes me up. And so, um, to see that Noah Jupe, who I don't know how old he would have been when this was made, but I mean, definitely a young actor Mm -hmm. did such a good job of translating those emotions and not, not overacting, but just, you know, being genuine and sincere in the way he was portraying it was very believable. Yeah. Yeah. I'm doing the math right now. Right now he's 18. This movie came out in 2019, which was four years ago. So yeah, he would so have, he would been, have 14. been 14. Yeah. Interesting. Well, he did a good job for being very young. Mm-hmm. So, okay, cool. Well, is there anything else that you specifically want to touch on? Not that I can think of. Okay. Well, um, I have a lot and um, some of it's just fun facts um, about the history of everything. I don't know that I'm going to touch on, um, scenes in the movie in particular, but, uh, I have a lot just cause I'm really excited about it. Really love the history here. So I will make a note, um, in the description, um, of this podcast episode, there's going to be a link to a YouTube channel, um, called donut media. They have a podcast called past gas It is a podcast about cars, not about farts. (laughs) Um, They have four episodes where, and each one's about an hour long, where they break down the history of Ford versus Ferrari, and uh, it's done really, really, really well. So if you want to like dig in deep to a lot of these details, go check that out. Um, And I just will caution you, I don't remember, there might be some language here or there. Um, So... Uh, anywho, it's done really, really well. Episodes one through four of Past Gas. There will be a link in the description. They also have, if you're more interested in a condensed version, um, one of their uh, shows that they do on their YouTube channel is called Up to Speed. They have an episode on Ken Miles. They have an episode on Ford versus Ferrari. And they have an episode on Carol Shelby. So those will also be linked. But with that, I will say... Um, I kind of have some sporadic notes here and there, and I'm just going to kind of walk through them and share them with you guys. So in the beginning of the movie, when Lee Iacocca, who uh, is very famous for being uh, huge at Chrysler at mm-hmm. the time, he was working for Ford, which I had no idea that he worked for Ford prior, I didn't either. Yeah, prior to his days at Chrysler. But um, 
He's played by John Bernthal. Love John Bernthal. Plays the Punisher. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's in a lot of movies. Um, he he's a really good actor. But anyways, um, he had the idea to reach out to Ferrari about purchasing them. Um, at the time, Ferrari was relatively a young company. I mean, they they had been around for a few decades, but um, the way that Ferrari got started was just because Enzo wanted to start racing. And so he started Enzo Ferrari, the founder of Ferrari, that is. Um, so he just basically started racing and he realized the only way to kind of stay in business was to sell some cars too, because for those of you who don't know, um, racing is the most expensive sport there is. And formula one and endurance racing is the most expensive type of racing. And that's pretty much all that, uh, Ferrari was involved in was endurance and formula one. So, uh, Enzo needed money. And by the time the 60s rolled around, which is when this movie takes place, he was pretty much had his back against the wall. He was looking for an opportunity to have more money in his pocket. So when you see the scene play out in the movie where Ford goes and meets with Enzo about buying them out, they kind of paint it and they even outright say this in the film that um, Ferrari was never serious or interested in being bought out, that they intentionally leveraged their position to just get bought out by Fiat, which is what happened. Fiat is the company that that um, photographer ran to and said, hey, you need to know this, blah, 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 whatever. Um, They ended up doing a partnership deal with Fiat. And uh, anywho, that was not intentional. They they really painted it that way, that it was kind of like um, diabolical or whatever. But what really happened was that Ford came to Enzo and said that they would pay him X amount of salary. I don't remember how much it was and that they would buy the company for X amount of dollars, but specifically that he would have an annual budget of $800,000 for his racing division. And that (laughs) was, that was the only thing that Enzo was uh, interested in and that sounds like a lot of money, especially in the 60s, but that was insultingly low for a racing budget. Because when you think about it, racing cars or race cars, specifically like Formula One, endurance racing, they're built from the ground up. Mm-hmm. Okay. So everything, generally speaking, is bespoke on those. They're unique to that car. So they're fabricating all this stuff that's one off, or maybe they're going to do, you know, a handful of them but they have to fabricate them. Well, that's extremely expensive. But then also cars break down and they have to test them. They have to make multiples to figure out what's going to break down. And then they have to actually race. And it adds up really, really, really fast. And you have to have a team of knowledgeable people behind that. That costs money. So this was a slap in the face to Enzo. And he basically said, like, you've got to be kidding yourself. Like, you know, building one Ferrari costs more than that. I'm, I'm not going to do my entire racing division for 800,000 a year. Mm-hmm. Um, so they kind of painted as Ford, like, um, I don't know, got made fun of by them, but really it was Ford was uh, trying to strong arm them and say like, you know, Oh, you don't have any money and we're going to take advantage of that by, uh, giving you very little, 
Um, so Fiat ended up doing a deal with them for 11 million. Wow. Yeah. So anyways, um, little bit about Carol Shelby. So we see this play out in the movie, but Carol Shelby, they, they don't touch on it a whole lot. It's just kind of like a little here, a little there. But Carol Shelby was born with a congenital heart defect, which dominated his childhood. There was really a lot that he couldn't do. But as an adult, he was cleared and he had no issues. And his doctors pretty much told him, like, you don't have anything to worry about. Oh, really? Yeah. uh, To the point where he ended up going and fighting in World War II. Um, He was a pilot in World War II, which I'll talk about that in a second. But um, he didn't have any issues in it or with his heart until he went to Le Mans and he won the race. I don't know if it was the combination of the stress and, you know, that 24-hour time period or what, but um, that's when he first started experiencing those issues again. And then sadly, unfortunately, um, shortly thereafter, he was told, you can't race ever again because Mm -hmm. your heart just can't take it, Mm -hmm. which is really a tragedy. I'd be really interested to know what Carol Shelby's legacy would have been had he been able to continue racing because he was a phenomenal racer, which is why him and Ken Miles connected so well. But um, I got to tell you, Carol was a really interesting guy. I spent a lot of time learning about him. And so he was a pilot in World War II, um, which you see in the film when uh, Carol Shelby and a few other Ford employees are going to the press conference for the unveiling of the Mustang. Mm-hmm. Um, and Carol basically goes up to the cockpit and is like, hey, uh, I used to be a pilot. Let, let me fly this. And everybody like freaks out. They're like, oh my gosh, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, he was an actual pilot. It wasn't just like a cowboy type thing that he was like, oh, I can do this. Right. Like he was a legitimate pilot and they kind of hammed that up for the movie. Mm-hmm. But um one interesting fact was that when uh, Carol Shelby was in, uh, like, when he was still on base in America, mm-hmm. he would f- take his plane and fly it over to where his girlfriend lived, and he would drop love letters from his plane. That's amazing. Yeah. And he ended up, they got married. Yep. Wow. Yeah. You should do that for me. Oh, <laughs> well, uh, I don't have my pilot's license, and we're already married. <laughs> <laughs> but... um. Interestingly enough, this is kind of off topic, but very interesting fact. There was another racer um, during this time period. His name is Smokey Eunuch, who honestly lived a really wild, kind of rough life. Um, But he is a racing legend. He won Daytona like four times in their first eight races, which is incredible. Also, Daytona is a 24-hour race. Um, But anywho, he was also a pilot in World War II. And he liked to drop stuff from his plane, too, except he um, he liked to mess with people a little bit. Okay. And so instead of dropping love letters to, you know, his girlfriend or whatever, he would find farmers that were in fields and take empty Coke bottles and drop them from the plane so that they would land just close enough to the tractor so that it would sound like a bomb. Nice. <laughs> he said uh, that when they fell from the plane, they made the same whistling sound as a bomb does. Hmm. And so he would freak the farmers out. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and on that note, Ken Miles also fought in World War II. Wow. Yeah, which they did briefly show that. I think they, they had a picture of him um, 
when he was in one of the boats on D-Day and Carol Shelby makes mention of it too. Mm. But anywho, um, another fun fact about Carol Shelby before racing, he did a bunch of odd jobs. He, uh, was an oil roughneck for a little while. Um, which if you don't know what that is, I honestly couldn't explain it to you other than he worked in like one of those oil fields. But, um, anywho, um, he also did farming for a little bit while he was a farmer. He had a, (laughs) he had a chicken farm and one day he woke up and all his chickens died. Um, evidently there was some like sickness that his, uh, chickens caught and so they all died overnight so what he did did he drop them out of planes no that would be hilarious (laughs) no what he did was he would get the chickens he loaded them up in his truck and he literally drove around town and would walk in like let's say like you work so you're a teacher you work at the school Mm -hmm. if you were friends with carol shelby on that day he came to your place of business would walked right up to the desk plopped the dead chicken on the counter and said, I've been thinking about you and then would leave. <laughs> wow. He said, I've been thinking about you. Here's a chicken. And then nice. would leave just cause he wanted to mess with people. Yeah. Which is hilarious. I would have loved to see Matt Damon do that. <laughs> but anywho, um, another thing that they don't really touch on in the movie, they, they kind of refer to it, but um, it's kind of, in passing in conversation and the movie doesn't play out that way as much but um ford's attempt to beat ferrari at le mans took multiple years Mm. the way it plays out they kind of make it seem like it took like a year or two Mm -hmm. but it took multiple years and it it took three attempts at le mans they only mentioned two (laughs) it took three tries um But anywho, Ford got the ball rolling. Once they finally did, um, and they started winning endurance races in America, after the first one they won, Ferrari refused to race in any more uh, endurance races except for Le Mans. Were they a little butthurt? Enzo pouts big time. (laughs) Fun fact about Enzo, after his very first race, he got second, which Big deal. Right. First race. He got second. He said, I'm never racing again. <laughs> and then he ended up racing and won a bunch and whatnot. But yeah. anywho, uh, or he's Italian. So I'm never racing again. Okay. Yep. Too much. <laughs> <laughs> anywho. Um, one of the last things I have just about notes is that um, in the movie, you see at the very end that Ford kind of twisted Ken's arm and made him slow down, which is a travesty. That, yeah. That is so selfish. Mm-hmm. And I mean, j- but anyways, I'm not going to get into that at the moment, but they made him slow down and they ended up robbing him mm-hmm. of not only a victory at Le Mans, but also the triple crown, which nobody had ever done before. But in that year, uh, Ken had won the eight hours at Sebring or 12, sorry, it's 12 hours of Sebring, the 24 hours of Daytona, and he was about to win the 24 hours of Le Mans. Mm-hmm. Those are the biggest races in endurance races. And he would have won all three in the same year. Never been done before. And they robbed him of that. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that you see is that um, 
you know, they come over the PA system and say that, oh, because of such and such technicality, the other Ford GT driver wins. His name was Bruce McLaren. And yes, if you know cars, he is that McLaren. He went on to found McLaren, which is, uh, for those of you who don't know, a, a brand of cars that are supercars, they're sports cars, they're beautiful, super, super fast race cars. Uh, this is where Bruce McLaren got his first Le Mans victory on a technicality. Well, um, when the race was over, nobody knew that Bruce had won. So in in the movie, it plays out that all the reporters just kind of go and swarm Bruce's car. That's not what happened. They actually surrounded Ken um, because nobody knew at the time that Bruce won. Not even Bruce, right? Not even Bruce. Yeah. So Ken was surrounded by reporters, but then they came came over the PA system and said, because of this technicality, blah, 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 whatever. Well, first of all, it from my understanding, don't, I mean, don't quote me on this, but what I've learned after listening to podcasts and reading and everything else that have covered the history of this is that this was kind of a... Um, were mad at Ford because not only did they win Le Mans, but they won first, second, and third, Mm -hmm. and they have never raced before. Mm -hmm. Um, So the officials were kind of mad about it, and they just kind of wanted to stick it to them. Yeah. But anywho, um, after the announcement happened, one thing that I think would have been really, really powerful that I wish they would have included in the movie that Ken did Um, so he's surrounded by reporters and he looks at them and cause they're all asking him like, what do you think about, you know, being reporters? Mm -hmm. And he just responded and he said, please be kind with what you write about my employer. They've been very good to me. And I just, I don't have, um, I just, I have so much respect. I have so much respect for Ken and his response there. Because he easily could have gone off. Mm-hmm. And I think most athletes would with right. with such a big deal on the line mm-hmm. or, you know, would have made a bigger deal about it or whatever. But they had there is footage of that. Um, probably hard to find, but there's recordings. And I mean, he sounds genuinely happy about it. And I mean, not happy, but like content, content, like uh he sounds genuine, mm-hmm. I guess. He's not just like, oh, you know, they're my employer. Mm-hmm. Like, he seems very real. And I think that would have been a really cool thing to include just because Ken was known for being a hothead. Mm-hmm. And in the movie, when he backs off and his son Peter's like, what is he doing? And Molly doesn't respond. And she just says, good for you, Ken. Mm-hmm. Because she knew his struggle with anger and everything. That was a, you know, that was a moment of maturity and growth. And I wish they would have included it here just to be able to, to further that. But, um, Ken went over, he congratulated Bruce on the win and him and Bruce were friends. They liked each other because they tested out the GT 40 together and they raced and, you know, tried to perfect it and all that stuff. So they knew each other very well. 
and Bruce did not want the trophy. They really, like, they show Bruce in the background, like, holding it up, all excited and everything. That is not how it happened. He stood on the podium very awkwardly. He did not want to be on the podium, and he fought for Ken to actually get the victory that he earned Mm -hmm. um, because he knew that he won it. I mean, he literally broke three records. Yeah. Well, okay. He broke the speed record at Le Mans, and then he broke it two more times in mm-hmm. the same race. I mean, that's insane. Yeah. But um, anywho, I, I kind of wish they would have touched on that too, but still a great movie. Yeah. Um, also, final thing that I have just a note on is that when Ken died on the test track, um, Peter, his son, was 16. And I definitely didn't, I would have assumed that he was like 12. Oh yeah, me too. Um, But so he was a little bit older than meets the eye, I guess, in the movie. But anywho, that's all I have. All right. Anything else you want to touch on? I, I did a lot of talking. I don't think so. I think you covered most of it. Okay. Well, I will say one of the only other things that I want to say is I really like the scene where Ken finds out that he can't go to Le Mans and he he doesn't yell at Shelby or anything, Carol. Yeah. And he just, you know, tells him I'm going to keep working on the car. Mm-hmm. Um, so he goes out and he, you know, when the race is going on, he just turns the radio on and works on the car. And... I really, really appreciate that his wife showed up and brought him a picnic. Um, Just, I felt like that was a really, really good, tangible um, display of affection because I know if that was me, like, I would have been crushed. Mm -hmm. Um, It would have been so hard to, so just to have that support from his wife, I think was really cool. I liked seeing that play out in the movie. Yeah, me too. I also love the scene where Carol and Ken fight. Mm-hmm. Hilarious. And I also really, really like the scene where Carol shows back up at his house after Ken had passed with yes, the wrench. I do too. And Peter's there and he's like, I remember that wrench. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Carol's just struggling to talk. And Peter says it's because he was your friend. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just really, really powerful, really, really cool. And just... uh you know, something that like those two guys, they just understood each other on a very deep level. Right. And um, I don't know. Super, super cool. Yeah. It's a great movie. Yeah. Oh, one final fun fact about Carol Shelby. I meant, <laughs> I meant to include this earlier. So, yes, Carol Shelby um, created the the Cobra, which is different than the Cobra Mustang. It is a, a Cobra. That was the first car he ever created. He also created... Um, the Ford GT Mustang, which is a big deal. But one thing I did not know was that Carol Shelby created the Dodge Viper. <laughs> so Lee Iacocca left Ford, you know, ended up going to Chrysler. Right. Chrysler owns Dodge. And they, uh, Lee reached out to Carol and said, hey, you know, would you be willing to make us a sports car? And so he did. And, uh, the Viper is an absolute beast. One of, if not my favorite car. It's just, it's so awesome. Um, 
but he wanted to name it after another snake because of the first car he made was a Cobra. Mm-hmm. So he named it after the Viper. And fun fact, um, he was the pace car for, I think it was the Indy 500. I don't remember. It was one of the big races. And so, you know, the pace car is, it just kind of goes out and leads all the cars. Right. And so he was in the pace car. And at this point, everybody knew that Carroll Shelby had a heart problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was older then too. So this would have been like late 90s, early 2000s. And this movie took place in the 60s. So at least three decades later. Mm-hmm. Um, probably closer to four. But anyway, so Carroll was an older man. Everybody knew that he had heart problems. And... He had a, I don't know if it was like a media person or it was someone important that was in the passenger seat. As Carol was doing the lap in the pace car, he he pretended to have a heart attack. I was just about to ask if that's what he was going to do. He pretended to have a heart attack just to mess with him. That's horrible. It is horrible, but it's also hilarious. (laughs) But uh, yeah, so that's all I got. Okay. Are you sure? Yeah, I promise. (laughs) That's all I've got now. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for joining us again. We're super excited about season two. Um, Next week, we are going to be covering Pirates of the Caribbean 2. So that is streaming on Disney Plus if you want to watch it in advance. Dead Man's Chest. Dead Man's Chest. One of the best Pirates films. Super, super good. Introduces one of the best villains in the Pirates films, Davy Jones. But um, we'll get into that more next week. So you can look forward to that. And then the week after that, we're going to have our first guest of the season on. So if you like what you heard, uh, you know, give us a share on Instagram. We have we'll have that linked below as well. Um, But, you know, just reposting some of our stories or our posts on your story. It really does go a long way. We have grown our audience quite a bit. So if you're you're new here, um, welcome to the channel. Uh, welcome to the podcast. We, I was looking at our, um, statistics the other day. We have listeners in obviously America, but we also have listeners in, um, the UK and Australia Mm -hmm. as well as India. So that's pretty exciting. I'm pretty proud of what we're doing here. Mm -hmm. It's been fun. It has. So thank you guys. We love you. And we're looking forward to next week. See you later. Bye.